0: I'm Courtney Brooke, and this is Hustle for Happiness podcast. We are all on this journey to find happiness, and let's face it, it takes work. And honestly, it's not always rainbows and butterflies. This podcast is dedicated to helping you navigate life and cut through the noise. As a certified life coach, recovering perfectionist, and survivor of the foster care system, I'm all about keeping things real. With my unique outlook on life that is truly infectious, we cover everything from achieving happiness and optimal self-care to stories of those sharing their wisdom and expertise. Thank you for showing up for yourself. Now, let's get started. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Brandon. It's such an honor. I've been following you for... I feel like five years, but I know you.
1: It's been a long time. Yeah, it's mutual.
0: (laughs) It's like through social media, and that's the power of I I think social media is connecting, being together, but then meeting like-minded people. Um, Those of you just tuning in for the first time or don't even know who Brandon is, Brandon, will you tell people a little bit about yourself and...
1: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know, I think as far as I'll just get my, my little intro spiel, yeah. but uh, just a, a small town Utah country boy that uh, couldn't wait to see the big city got out. And uh, really, honestly, once I did and I got out and saw the big the big world, it was like, I think the little town might be good, especially after having kids and stuff. So my background, I actually come from a medical background. Yeah. I was in I was in medical for a long time. Uh, yeah, we kind of morphed that into uh, where Quincy and I, obviously my wife, worked together and I've worked with tens of thousands of clients, helping transform bodies and minds and spirits. I guess over over the last, I guess it's been about eight years. So yeah. that's that's it in a nutshell. But uh, I, I have to say, I'm I'm conflicted being here because I'm so excited to have a conversation, and the conflict comes in that it's only forty five minutes.
0: I know I that's hard for me too because especially when you connect, it's like we got to cut ourselves off, totally. and that's hard because it changes the energy. But I, it's efficiency but I love that.
1: Yes, yes. And I think the conflict will just come back to like the, the value add. I mean, because I, I just want to ask you all the questions. I think that'll be one of the biggest struggles for me for the next 45 And
0: months. ask me away because okay. yesterday we had a really beautiful conversation about this podcast specifically but then we again just kept talking and asking each other questions and i think that is the beauty of why i'm doing this podcast is not only just for the podcast but to also connect with people meeting them in person if we've been friends like you and i on social media for a while and bringing that actually into real life
1: yeah yeah, it's exciting. And again, like you mentioned about social media, there's a lot of negative connotations about social media and the pressures of it, but yeah. but the connections that are available. I think so anyway, I appreciate I appreciate you for that. And this is actually our first time meeting face to face, but yeah. it's like old friends.
0: I agree. I think it's so great. So let's go back to your early small town days. Okay. You know, when you were a small town kid with big city aspirations, what were some of the dreams? And ambitions during that time for you.
1: Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I had a a conversation with somebody at the gym today and, and we'll get into talking at the gym. I'm sure later, but, but I I had this conversation about he had some, you know, inquiring about my upbringing and it was very small town blue collar. Okay. And I was limited by what my surroundings were. And I thought that the best thing I could do was get the most high paying hourly job that I could get. And I realized in hindsight, that was very limiting in a lot of ways. You but, know? I mean,
0: I, I feel like I was that way. Like I am still thought, I mean, I identified with money up until I started doing my coaching business. I said, that is how I proved myself was, yeah. you know, money. So I resonate that. And I'm sure a lot of people resonate that what's the next paying job or why they want to leave a job is because they're not getting paid enough too.
1: Right. Totally. And I think that was my, the majority of my upbringing was just like, it was focused around stuff. And the best job I could get within a small community to achieve that. And so it was an interesting limiting. It was limiting in mm. in, in hindsight, you awesome. know, and uh, the the question at the gym from this gentleman came in about how we we're raising our kids. And it was very much like that. Like, you know, if you want something, you're gonna have to work hard to get it. And I, and I still find that. But do we give our kids too much? And that's where the question came up. In contrast to how we grew up, where it was work hard and it, it was just go work an hourly job, right. so that you can afford the things that you want. And right. how does that contrast with now? We we since give our kids a lot, right? And is that to mask, you know, kind of the things that we we didn't have?
0: Yeah.
1: And and is it is it bad? And so I think I'm still working through that. But the financial blueprint that I had versus what my kids have, mm-hmm. I think they'll they'll be fast forward to ten years from what I was.
0: I feel like it's and going back to my child, James and I don't have kids, and so that is a constant conversation, not only between him and I. But in my own head, too, is, you know, I had a hardships and it's like, well, kids are going to have their hardships regardless. Like we I believe that we don't have to create hardships like they're already going to be there. But I think what I'm hearing is this piece of work ethic and working for something and not just giving and finding that balance. Is that what this you and this guy were talking about?
1: That's exactly it. And, and, (laughs) And again, it really it really just comes down to the limiting beliefs that I was presented because of my surroundings. And I think that's now where having seen the world, having gotten out there, coming back to this small town yeah. and seeing the people that I grew up with that are still kind of in that mindset. Yeah. Um, and not that there's anything necessarily wrong with it, but I think it should be a choice. If you can have all of the information and then make the choice that fits you best. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of where it's narrowed down for me is right. that this small town kid that wanted to see the world and expected more out of himself and, and saw that, and mm-hmm. then kind of took what I learned and took it back home. And now I'm raising my kids in the same community, which is kind of weird, uh, thinking that I would never go back. But it is it is a neat experience now to to raise my kids in the same place with a different and hopefully more open mindset, especially when it comes to their potential.
0: Yeah. And I think for me and people that do stay at home there or for you specifically moving away and then coming back, was your ego checked a little bit? Like, how did you work through that adjustment phase?
1: Yeah, um, the ego was definitely checked once I yeah. left home, right? right? Like that was the the eye opener for me. It was, that was, first of all, there is so much more potential. I mean, I was exposed to personal development yeah. after I left. I didn't even know that was a thing, like people working on themselves. <laughs> and and that, again, I'm taking that back to this like kind of narrow focus where it's just like, there's these, these outline steps that you take being a kid from a small community and personal development isn't yeah. in it. And there's a lot of good things. I'm not speaking bad about small towns or small town mentality. I, I generally... It's your
0: specific experience. My experience. Yep. yep.
1: My experience with it. And and that that word self-development was really something that was like an eye-opener for me. There's people teaching how to be better and to want more and to be able to do more. And then yeah. the steps to achieve that was, it was a mind-blowing experience for me. And so my ego was checked just by the the vastness of potential that, that we had as as people.
0: And so like when you moved back home and, or moved away and then came back, like yeah. how did your viewpoint change? Like what if you like versus you just staying there or staying out? Like what changed for you to want to come back?
1: Yeah, great question. I, I think that I appreciated it. I, I think that my appreciation for where I had some disdain and kind of even when I was leaving, that's where the ego was. It was where I was like, "I'm too good to be here." Mm. And once I left, saw the world, and I had a I had a great appreciation right. for its simplicity.
0: And like, there's comfort in that. Yes, I mean, you you pushed yourself to try it, and then you developed your own opinion. I think a lot of people don't do that. Like, they don't even develop their opinion. It's just safe to be next to their family. It's just safe because the unknown. You conquered that, and then developed that opinion. I think that's huge. And something to acknowledge.
1: Yeah. And I think for me now, just being able to pass that on. Yeah. To that perspective, you yeah. know, and and again, being at this point in our lives where our kids are kind of at that point where they're starting to make their own decisions. Yeah. It's it's instead of just telling them to teach them has been with a perspective that, that I've gained now that, again, they're still in the place that I grew up in. They're, they're able and surrounded right. by those those thoughts and ideas of limiting, you know, what their capabilities are by some of the just the nature of where they live. And being able to share that with them is is kind of a, a highlight reel for me, being able to allow them to learn and grow as individuals without that limiting, like, I just need to get an hourly rate job so that I can
0: right. take care. You know, it's back just a, to why you left. Like, but yeah. that really drove your your purpose in your younger years. And that's not something you want them to drive. Exactly. I think my background with my dog, when I say my mom, my adoptive mom is go make the money, earn your own money. Everything seemed to be about money and that's how you progress or just put your head down and do the job that you might not like. Right. Just work hard.
1: And I, what's the end game for that?
0: Right. And there's no fulfillment piece. And so I'm sure you're doing that with your kids. It sounds like you're doing it with your kids. I'm,
1: I'm, I'm doing the best that I can, but I, I do feel like they have, they kind of have the best of both worlds right now yeah. where I think, first of all, they're their appreciation for where we live because they they were also with us when we were in Vegas and a few other places that were contrasting to where we're at now. Yeah. And they they're also able to take a lot of that that they've learned and and take it back into that community. But also I I rely on this word this this financial blueprint where again, I think that's kind of a narrow focus on on a broader topic, but they're not limited on what what they feel like they could earn or what their capabilities are because it's not just like you're going to stay here, get the next best job and just stick it out because that's just what's available.
0: So how, how is it teaching that grit though? Because there is that part where you got to work your way up. I mean, we were talking about social media earlier and we we're talking about how views on YouTube are low because we're just starting vlogging. There's immediate gratification in that, right? So how do you instill that immediate gratification? That might cool hardship. You know what I'm saying? How do you instill that in your kids?
1: Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing is that we we as parents want to protect, you know, and I don't mean to make this all about parenting, but it really no. is something that's the, you know, it's at the forefront of my my attention and a lot of things that I do because we are in that phase. Right. And and hardships are the one of the biggest learning tools that kids have. We had it and and it's just different. Our I think, you know, speaking from our, our upbringing, our kids will have different hardships. And, right. and I don't know if we would have been equipped at 16 to handle the social media world, handle a lot of the things, but uh, I have high expectations yeah. of my kids. Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest things is that they, their life is a little bit easier in a lot of ways compared to what we had. Yep. But my expectations of where my parents were just like, yeah, just get by, you know, right. there was no top, topic of grades. There was no expectations on, you know, other than just getting your chores done. There was just no expectations mm-hmm. of kind of, higher frequency things. You know?
0: So if we segue into the family thing, but also people who don't have kids, it's I'm hearing yep. this word and you're going to correct me on this is balance, right? So you're teaching your kids balance at this age, but let's apply it to those that don't have kids. And we've talked about this a little bit of before, but many people struggle to achieve work-life balance and you've mentioned it being a snake oil, and I just have been thinking about this when we were talking yesterday. I didn't know what a snake oil was, or so. Can you elaborate on why you see it that way and the yeah. approach? Yeah, absolutely. So, so <laughs> snake oil is
1: one of those things that that term was actually presented to me about balances of snake oil, and so I've kind of taken that because really, I, I'll just take it back. Uh, snake to-
0: oil, like. It's a placebo, like he explained, I'm sorry, but I feel like snake oil, the term, it's a term. It's not legit snake oil.
1: Correct. It's a a term. (laughs) I
0: thought it was. I'm like, wait, what?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a term used to basically be, it's a placebo. It's something that you could sell somebody to cure any ailment. And so we're sold this idea that we're just, we're just searching for overall balance in life. Yep. And I think if you imagine a teeter-totter where, where one side gives, the other one has to take. And, Mm -hmm. and in my mind growing up, you know, especially I'll take it back to my, my Career in in medicine where I was on call all the time. We drove two cars everywhere we went, and ultimately I sacrificed a lot of time with my family because of my career. And I was young, and I was hyper focused on on that upward momentum of my career. I would have um, admit at the time that I was sacrificing time, mm-hmm. but at the, in hindsight, again, I was speaking hindsight because I I realized I was being a better dad in those moments yeah. because I had, I was on such limited time with them. And so every moment, every every second I had with him was so important. So I didn't feel, you know, I don't feel now looking back that I had to give time with my family to be better at my job.
0: Yeah, this. I mean, if you visually see it, it's a scale of up, down, up, down. It's, And you mentioned this word, harmony. Harmony. That's so interesting because now I'm thinking in my back of my head, is, is this work-life balance a buzzword? Is it marketing? Like, how do you feel like about that term knowing that I mean, you said it's the snake's oil, so I'm just curious where you stand on that. Yeah,
1: I think it's something that we're being sold. We're being yes, sold this idea of just like you've got to balance work life, you've got to have this this balance, and that's the only term. And I, and I think a lot of people, if we break it down for them, would agree with what we're what we're saying here is that you you can't take say say your fitness, say your health, say your your hobbies, your family, your you know your spouse, your relationships, your friends, and your career. You can't balance all that, right? Right. That's that's impossible to have balance in all of that. So it should work harmoniously together. It should all work synergistically to better you and to better the people around you. Because if you're looking for balance, something's going to give.
0: Right. And I also like what came to mind is like, people go to the gym or go to coffee meetings and they're still not there. You know, I'm like, at least for me, like I'm a fast-paced environment, constantly rushing around. Am I being intentional? Is that... Really being effective with my time. Is that, ba- I don't know if that's balancing, but it's this harmony piece that like you mentioned yesterday that you could have only one hour or right now one hour with your kid. But are you, how are you using that? It could have been wasted. Like you weren't there, but if you maximize that hour, that's harmony and everything else.
1: Right. Then you're then you're fulfilled as a dad as a parent, and the child themselves feels the one thing that they want from you is connection and love. Right, and, right. And so I think that one hour spent in a high frequency communication and and touch is is much better than all the hours if you're balancing out everything to be equal, right? right which is what balance is. Then it doesn't it doesn't necessarily equate to that fulfillment that 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 child or or we as parents should have.
0: And I feel like there are so many, so let's call it work-life harmony from yeah. here on out, but it's, there are so many definitions of work-life harmony. How do you define it for yourself in business and personally, or is it all one?
1: It's all one. It It is. And it's what does absolute. that
0: mean? Like if we're not using work-life balance, work-life harmony, how do you see and how do you really apply it?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think you'd use the term being fulfilled, using fulfillment. Yeah. And I think ultimately, if you're looking at what what we're here to fill is is fulfillment. I mean, if we take it in our discussion yesterday, not to not to you know digress on the topic, but we could be hyper successful in one category in life, whether that's our work, whether that's our family, our relationship, but something's gonna suffer. But if we're fulfilled in all of those categories, that's ultimately what we're chasing, mm. right? Is fulfillment. Yeah. Um, and so if you're if you're giving away something in this balance or even if we're talking harmoniously trying to live this work-life relationship if we're giving up something we're not fulfilled in that category and how does that equate into the other one you don't go to work every day feeling like i am on it but I know at home something's painful right and so you have to bring fulfillment into the home which is what we're talking about you know the life side of this balance or this harmony is you have to be fulfilled in knowing that every aspect you're touching during the day is 100% of what you've got for that for that section yep. right so work i'm i'm giving 100% while in there if it's 8 hours if it's 4 hours if it's 2 hours i'm i'm focused and i'm as i leave here i'm fulfilled in that category knowing that i'm moving on to the next category right. whether that's the soccer game with the kids or the the date night with the spouse mm-hmm. or or friends again that you're leaving that being fulfilled so I, I i think it it's easy to try to Find everything being equal, but it just can't be.
0: So this work-life balance is seen as your key to happiness, as I'm hearing. Is like you're not work-life balance. Your work-life harmony is seen for your key to happiness. It's so. What advice would you give to start listeners who may feel pressured? To achieve that balance but are unsure where to even start
1: yeah if, if it's okay i'll just kind of dive in and share the story Absolutely. of kind of this awakening phase that that came to me and it was it was based around and you're well aware of the situation with with my wife quincy where um it was mid 2022 where she she was having these blank seizures, okay. And I'll make this story short. But she was having these blank seizures, and it was kind of this thing where it was like you just feeling underfed, or you you know working out too much or too hard. And it and she ended up having a really bad episode where she ended up in the emergency room where they actually found out she had a brain tumor. Okay, she's 40 years old, healthy. I mean, her her well, speaking of work life balance, she is she's Miss Health and Fitness, and she's very very much on that focus of of wellness and longevity. And come to find out, she she was diagnosed with a, a four centimeter brain tumor just behind her right eye. Yeah. And so life got real yeah. real quick. You know? And so the things as as we look at all the things that we we have to do during our day, we, we focus a lot on thin things, you know? And yeah. and that made everything very, very important and very, very real to the point where we started asking myself i'll speak for myself because i can't speak for her but what is really important and that kind of narrowed down this and and we'll use the term work-life balance is there was just some important things and there was a lot of things that weren't important so it's really easy to get real and to get serious about things when most things actually don't matter
0: right and it's i hear that like the clarity just came through hard for you. And the values really like stood out to what's important. Yeah. And you searched that news. I mean, you and Quincy are amazing. And Quincy's story is in your story, because I'm like, I can't imagine like being in your shoes, seeing your partner, but then I'm like thinking what that happens to James or what happened. You know, like you don't know some people, you need that blessing to really see clearer now, I don't wish brain tumors upon everyone to see clarity in their life. How how can people find clarity without such a traumatic or
1: Yeah, they don't have to. And I think that that's that's one of those things that you have to self-reflect on. And and it really is and you mentioned the word intentionality where if if you don't live your life with intention, then then it really you're just you're just moving through reacting to things that come. And so to answer your question, how do you realize that? Is that I, I hope, and, and that's my experience. That's yes. what it took for me. Yeah. That's what it took for me is to see there was there was actually six days from the moment that she went into the emergency room and and they found the brain tumor until we met with the neurosurgeon. So the 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 information we had leaving that that emergency room is is that you have a four centimeter brain tumor, and that was it. And so is that is it cancerous? Is right. how much time does she have to live? Hey,
0: you go and, down this rabbit hole. Yeah. How did you? I mean. Not to take a tangent on Quincy's story, but let's bring you into this because you're her partner is how did you stop that rabbit hole? How did you really stay grounded for yourself? Being the provider of Quincy and your family and everyone, how did you manage yourself?
1: Yeah. It was uh, I think once the shock, um, once you realized what can happen is that Tony Robbins speaks of the six, the six human needs. Okay. And certainty is one of them. And in that in that time frame, there was absolutely no certainty.
0: Right. Right. So a lot of unknown,
1: what are we going to do? What does this look like? How much time do we have? Um, you know, is it something that we're going to have to prepare for months out? Is this something that's going to, going to, we didn't know anything other than just, it could be life threatening. Yeah. And, and, and that was just the most unnerving part of it. I mean, Quincy would cry where she, she would say, I just want to see my grandkids and, and, I just yeah. couldn't imagine you know we we have a really a really good connection and and have for for nearly 20 years and so imagining her not being here was something that i had to to face you know and so embracing the uncertainty of i don't have control and i'm a very control-minded person i like to control variables i like to control my environment yeah. and so to realize that like hey there are certain things that we just cannot control, and I have to be okay with it.
0: My favorite term is radical acceptance. Like, uh. and it's in the Bible um, accept the things we cannot change and the wisdom to know the difference. But that first part is accepting the things we cannot change. And that's really what ex- radical acceptance is. It's just, ultimately, this is out of my control. You know, there are people out there that are going through their darkest days right now too, you know, or you've pastors and you've done it and you can say like your perspective has changed you for that. You know, there's people that are probably listening looking for that. Well, what can I do to control my thoughts? How, how can I practice self-care while I'm maybe your partner's dying or the business might be failing or you're going through a breakup. I mean big T, little T, as I would say. How did you manage yourself? What did you do for yourself in those times?
1: Yeah, I think it has to. It has to be. You have to look at it through through the glass of what have we done? Yeah. To prepare ourselves for this, right? I think the comfort in knowing that we had such a good relationship, there was nothing that needed to be done. I think taking care of our relationship for all these years was one of the biggest things that was like a comfort. The second thing is, and we talked a lot about this. In fact, Quincy mentioned this, and I'll just share this with you: is that we were driving home during this six day period that we didn't know anything other than, than that she had a, a, a brain tumor. She looked over at me and she said, you know what? This is what I've been training for. And I think that's, mm-hmm. that's special because she she's a very fit person and people would always ask her, what are you training for? Like, is it, are you an endurance athlete? Do you do physique right, she shows? Didn't have an answer. And she never had an answer. And oh, she, yeah. it was just like this awareness of hers of like, this is what I've been training for. And I think there's an element of forcing ourselves to do hard things that allows us to prepare for the things that we don't know are coming. Right. And if you're mentally strong, physically strong, and spiritually strong that when those trials and those tests come, you know what pain feels like. Right. You know you know what suffering feels like.
0: Yeah.
1: Pain is something that you can't really do much about. Suffering is one thing that mentally you can take control over. Right?
0: Because right? everyone suffers, it's just how you manage it. Totally. And and that's so simply said. I mean, I mean you went through an extreme, I mean, but it's there's suffering everywhere. It's really how we view it. And I really hear that you didn't let that take you on.
1: Yeah. And that and that was, it is oversimplified in saying that. But it was something that once you're put in that situation, it becomes very clear, very quickly of just like that uncertainty. Right. I, I can either lay in bed and, and let this possibly the last few days, right. weeks, Living months.
0: Bare, presently in that moment, knowing that tomorrow is not guaranteed or even the next second. Totally. And do you still apply that same kind of knowledge to today?
1: It's strange how how it's still it's still there. I'll just share we're, we're actually going through some some litigation right now. Yeah, and we're we're on the defendant side of this, and so it's very reactive to the situation. And more and more, I realize like that we've been doing this for a year and a half now, and the further we get into this, the more relaxed I'm, I am with it. Is because I am just like I am comfortable with uncertainty. Right. I know that there's, I will do whatever's within my power to manage what I can, but most of it's just mentally being able to say, hey, look, I'm okay with the outcome. And that's the funny thing. Not funny. I'll rephrase that. That's the most interesting thing for me is that you have the mental fortitude to say, okay, I, I know that I'm okay with whatever's to come. And this is, this is hard to say. I was okay knowing that it's a possibility that I would, I would lose Quincy. Yeah. I, I didn't have another choice. I'm not, I'm not an optimistic person. I'm just a realist.
0: Right. And that it's was same. where I came. That's how I operate. Because I'm just like,
1: hey, the reality is, is that there's this is a possibility. Right. And I have to figure out how to be okay with that.
0: Right. And I think that a lot of us want to fight what we can't control. We want to fight. We want to do everything in our power to just force the outcome that is desirable, but the expectation of maybe we just eradicate the expectations. Maybe we come back to that present moment and we surrender Hmm. except that the future is actually really not in our control. No matter how hard we squeeze our, pull everything down with us, like go down with our business, go down with that failed relationship, go down with not being okay with cancer, rather than that holding on, releasing that energy, like I will be okay. But that I love that um, perspective of being a realist about life. I think that's super key. I think people complicate things with their thoughts and their outcomes and the expectations and what they really want. How did you not let your expectation or your, the outcome dictate your thoughts? I think
1: it did. I think it did for, for a period of time. And, you know, and again, just, just like you mentioned, being a realist, I mean, there's certain things that we can control. There's certain things that are just scientific and, and there's a, there's a cause and effect to a lot of things, but our emotion isn't one of those. You know, our emotions, not one of those things. Like if, if there was a person we've worked with tens of thousands of weight loss clients and I can get a person to lose weight if I can just give them two plus two equals four every time. Yeah. And there's no way around that. And there are certain things like building a business. There are certain things that are just scientific. If you do X, you know, most yeah. of the time it, it'll fall. It's pretty suit.
0: calculated. And it's, that's the realest thing that you know that that's calculated.
1: Correct. Emotion <laughs> is not one of those. No. Right. And that's the other side of what we do is that like, I can't get somebody emotionally to to be where I want them to be. There's no formula to manage emotions. And so so during those times and during those tru- those struggles and phases that I had to figure it out, it was just again taking a step back and and being okay with how things turn out. And again, I think if I can and this will be the question I have for you is yeah. where where does that where does that threshold come in with what I can control and be a realist versus what I want to force.
0: Right. I mean The force, I think, is what's that motivation behind it? What are you hoping for? I mean, it's like living in the future, right? Mm. If you're living in that future, then you're forcing and you have that expectation. But then that emotion, I think, is that regulation piece. Yeah. Like that goes deep down. I mean, subconsciously, we react to things. Childhood, experiences, situations, you know, that all includes emotions, though. And I, a lot of that is what we can't control, but I think using that as momentum to really understand yourself even more, right? When we understand ourselves more, we're understanding our, our emotions, we're getting in tune with ourselves. And that leads me like to like that vulnerability piece. Totally. And that's scary with a partner. At least for me, I've like, been this lone wolf mentality until I met James, like working with your partner through hardships mm-hmm. and showing that you're scared. I mean, did you have to put on that front I mean, I know James sometimes feels like he has to because he's a provider, but it's like vulnerability is what brings you closer. I mean, this was a hard moment and people go through hardships with their partners, and it's easy to pull back and pull away and look outwardly and uh, not bring in closer. But vulnerability is so huge to be able to have Quincy see you in that light, to see Quincy in that light. Like, that must have been ultimately like beautiful to be there for each other.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Vulnerability was a, was a tough thing for me, Yeah, right? like you mentioned with James, where yeah. we have to fill these certain roles. And I think our personalities and our, our background obviously yields kind of how we present ourselves uh, in the present. But being being the man and and knowing that she was hypersensitive and, and being vulnerable, that there had to be kind of the yin to the yang on that. And Absolutely. so I was that guy. I was yeah. that one that was like, I can be there. I can do this. I can shoulder it. And I don't express my vulnerabilities to her. Scary. Yeah. Yeah. And I I have to say it phased through and I, and I, and I feel like there was a time where I I did open up and was vulnerable. Yeah. And, um, but I, I appreciate that. I appreciate, are you able to do that with James or, or vice versa? I mean, it's
0: hard, you know, I definitely like have to push myself because, you know, he worries and we worry about each other. I mean, you, you get it. It's an energy exchange, like totally. And it's, it's, me being so aware of what am I doing right now? Oh my gosh, I'm doing an old pattern, which is pulling back, appearing strong, falling into this role. And really it's, I have needs too, right? I know you're stressed or you're sick or you're busy, but I need to be heard and I think that voice saying that because James can't read my mind if I don't tell him how is he gonna know where I stand and I encourage that for other people is use that voice that tool to communicate rather than retract and pull back but it's easier said than done but when I'm aware of that I'm like what am I doing I call myself out I'm like he is my partner too you know our partners might be going through pain or you have a friend that's doing worse and you're afraid to tell them your story but it's that vulnerability human humanifies us. Totally. Did I say it right? Yeah. And it it allows us to connect even more. You know, I think the vulnerability piece is I'm working on it every day. Like, it's in my nature to just pull back. I mean, I, I wasn't shown unconditional love. I had to take care of myself from... I mean, I was in a home from nine to 18, but I didn't have a family till nine. And then I was out of the house at 18. So I really lived in a family for nine years. So for me, I have to re go back and understand myself. Like, what am I doing? And, you know, we're married for a year now. It's we're I'm being tested in marriage because I've never had to work with somebody. So for me, when I'm pulling back, I'm like, this is an old pattern. Right. That vulnerability piece, though, is really I'm working on it. I'm using I statements. I am. I'm saying I am reactive because I'm scared of what's going to happen. It's sharing that piece.
1: Do you share that with James or would you say yeah. I statement? Is that something you, you do I personally? Do I
0: do I statements. I don't say you are acting kind of weird today. What's going on? It's wait, I'm acting weird. I, I'm i feeling anxious around you. Can we talk? Yeah. It's it's not calling your friend and venting saying, oh my gosh, James is doing X, Y, and Z or Quincy or whatever your kids. It's hey, if you notice a pattern and behavior shift, there's something probably going on. And right. it's rather than turning away, it's, hey, how can I be here for you? And I think that piece is really important. Not like turning away like, oh, my God, they're acting weird. But it's, hey, I think that that vulnerability piece, bringing people into your your feelings, bringing them yeah. into your head so hard.
1: Do you pre-plan so- that? Do you, do, you, do you say, okay, James, if I feel like this in the future, this is how we're going to manage it. Or is it, do you do it more in the moment? I mean, I guess, does he have the expectation of like, okay, when you act like this, this is, or, or when you feel like this is a better term, when you feel like this, this is what I would like for you to do and come to me. Or is it, do you know Time how and it's place.
0: Go? I feel like when I, when he gets off a series of calls for instance, I'm like, my feelings are really hurt. Like, no, yeah, like yeah. time and place. Like I will literally think it out. I have to do my own self-management piece, so I can't take it out on him. Right. You know, I want to understand my feelings. So I'll uh, I'll journal, I'll go for a walk, I'll get a workout in because a lot of it is reacting based on the right away emotion that you're freaking out, scared, overwhelming, you hear a song and it reminds you whatever it might be, it, something triggers you. Yeah. Well, I give myself that gap in between Because I just know myself. I see red sometimes. Like, I'm like, fuck this. And so I'm like, that's not his problem, though. So I try to differentiate. Is this me or is this a him thing? Because not all of it is him. I'm here feeling his energy. And I'm like, how am I internalizing this? But when I don't have the situation where, like, Quincy and brain tumor and things like that, where, yeah, you have this role as the man of the house of father and your wife. As your partner, like that must have been really hard to put your boxing gloves down or put your guard down. Did you ever share with her how you felt or was that hard for you as well? I mean, that vulnerability pieces.
1: Yeah, I the vulnerability piece was tough and it's always tough. I'm, I'm very closed off. Same. I just, Same. It's I, easier. <laughs> I, I would rather not try to work through my feelings vocally with somebody, especially if it's the offender, if I can say that, which it's typically like, it falls on me and my okay. emotions, how I respond, but I'm just very closed off. I'd rather try to take some time and fill it out myself. That's honestly one thing that I'm probably trying to work through just personally and in communicating with, yeah. with family or, you know, Quincy or, or it's just, like I just do better. Just give me some time. I'll get over it. Right. But during that phase, during that time, it was definitely something that after the fact, I felt like I I was able to open up, but definitely not during.
0: Yeah. And I feel that it's almost easier just to like preserve, like preserve your energy, preserve, keep going. Yeah. I think that there's that easy piece though. Like that's your, that's your role though. You know, there is that beautiful piece of saying, you know, I'm going to share because I want to get closer. I want to break that pattern of putting it all on myself. Right but people do that. What did you do during those times? How did you manage those? It could, have, maybe it's overwhelm or how did you, what did you do for yourself? What were some self-care activities or that self-management piece? How did you do that?
1: Yeah, this, interestingly enough, I, um, the hobbies you got
0: yeah, yeah like, that, this,
1: is, so you the do? horse thing, I mean, if you've, you know, if you follow it all with what, with what I do, it's, I, I very much you. jumped into this like horse world, like this equine, I guess they have a lot of equine therapy and maybe that's what it was, but I just, yeah. I felt so much comfort. And, and I guess even like looking back, it's still something that just brings me so much joy. And I think I during that it. time where it was like a heightened state of emotion for me, that was the release of just like the calm and the storm. You yep. know, and so I think that's a huge thing to point out, too, is that it's like, you know, you mentioned some of the things that you do during your, your times where you're peaked or you're having these high emotional states, yep. whether that's some, something that you and James are dealing with, whether that's something that you business, deal with personally, your yeah. business or, you know, clientele, whatever it may be, just taking the time, having that self-awareness. And I think that I, I love that you brought it back to that is that it's it's on you. Yeah, it really is Mm -hmm. everything. It may be something that somebody's doing to you, but how you handle it, how you manage it and how you control it is entirely 100 percent up to you. And I think that that's why you're in a perfect position to do what you do is because you have that self-awareness. And I think that's the key. Honestly, I think it's the key for happiness. Like if you can be aware of yourself. Yep. Like it is again, emotion isn't science. It's not right. something that we can put a formula to. Yeah. but being able to understand it, especially within ourselves and and the beautiful thing like you do is help other people understand it. yeah, is something that I think is what leads people to finding that ultimate fulfillment.
0: And I think like we are so easy to place blame or cancel culture or, you know, have an opinion. and if we're not all thinking the same thing, it's like, you're not valued or you're you're seen as a, the bad guy. And I'm like, this, it's, it's totally off topic, but it is that piece of, you know, it's not about what everyone else is saying. Come back to you. Why are you triggered? And then really dissect it, really get down to you. And back to the vulnerability piece, too, is James isn't asking me to keep it all in. James isn't asking me to take on the role to hold it all together. And I'm sure Quincy isn't asking that of you, but how are you putting that pressure on you to maintain that?
1: Totally. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I I think overall, if we're talking, we need to have some foresight in that, right? And if if being vulnerable right now is what will lead to what we want in a year from now or five years from now, especially if we're talking relationships, vulnerability is going to be a key and an integral part of that. And, and I guess I'll just go back to say like, for us, we just have to, we just have to pre-plan what that looks like. What's the best way for me to communicate with you when I'm in this phase and, and how can I be vulnerable in that? And have you accept that? Right. Right. I don't want to be, I don't want to be scorned or turned down if I go and open up and then it's, it's not.
0: You have to feel safe. And I think that piece of like having that gap in between sharing and really articulating and, deep diving into what are you trying to say? Not getting emotional, not reacting, but really coming down to that, loving that inner child. Mine is that nine-year-old scared girl. And it's like, that's the part of me that probably isn't sharing because I feel like I just need to hide or put on a show or just prove myself that I am strong enough. But no one's asking me of that. So when we break it down and really understand the motivations of why we aren't sharing, that's on us again. But then you, I feel like this piece of, hey, I'd like to talk to you about something that's been on my mind, mm-hmm. you know, and creating that you have to create your own safe space because no one's going to do it for you.
1: Right. I just wonder, I wonder as you're speaking, if there's obviously you pick your battles, you'd mentioned that, like you can't take everything to yeah. him. And James doesn't require you to not bring anything to him. And so what what is it that, and, and how do you do that? I mean, how do you self-regulate and know that like, you know, because I, t- I take it back to this kind of big picture that we're talking about, like we make thick and thin things, Right. And my awakening was kind of like, hey, look, I I understand that I was probably hyper focused on a bunch of stuff that didn't matter. And I could let that go once I had this perspective. Right. Have you been able to obviously self-regulate? And then how do you pick and choose what your what your biggest concerns are that you're going to make the biggest emphasis on? And those that you can just like, okay, I can shoulder this and just let it go.
0: I think it comes down to do we have like the needs, our basic needs, right? Our health, we have a roof over our head. I think picking and choosing, uh, telling him a story about sitting in traffic that what's that going to do, right? But I think prioritizing what's important. Like I don't share every single thing, but that picking the battles or your thick and thins or whatever. I think being intentional again. Ugh. Being intentional not just with how you wake up in the morning, but how you're coming to your partner and presenting yourself Really thought out, being intentional, not just reactionary. I think people react so fast without even thinking and just listening to everyone else's opinion, but that's I think that's silly. I think being intentional with how you come to your partner, you know if it's important to me, it's important to him. you know if it's important to him, then I'm going to have importance to me i I'm trying to like carry on with that, but I feel like
1: I don't know. do you think most people live with intention? No, 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 I would agree.
0: That's why I'm like an intentionality coach, I feel like, because that's literally what I teach on is like, there's no intentionality. They're scrolling mindlessly. They're just shopping because someone else has the things that they want and they're doing the job because it pays the bills. Like yeah. like we're listening to our parents. I don't think our parents' generation was taught intentionality. Mm-hmm. I think that just put your head down and do it. But when you have intentionality, you have fulfillment, you have desire, you, again, work-life harmony you know, you have that harmonious life that is everything is in sync. Yeah, And it's all because of you and your choice.
1: I think more and more people are, are well, let's say miserable. I think there's a lot of times people are miserable in their current state, but they dabble in the most important things, yeah. right? Because they don't live with intentionality. Yeah. So I don't feel successful. Okay, well, what are you doing? Are you dabbling in your career? Are you dabbling in your business? I mean, most businesses aren't successful because people are dabbling in them, right? Relationships are one of those things I think people dabble in.
0: Yeah. Do you
1: do the work? Do you live with intentions? And
0: when it gets hard.
1: And when it gets hard. Do you do you plan out and know what you're gonna do when things get hard? Do you have an agreement? How f- arguments are gonna go? That's your most people dabble in a relationship, but it's one of the biggest things that causes them the most pain you know, and I mean, they
0: know what they need to do. They know. I they mean, they do. don't though. It's like, I mean, you're, you're a coach with fitness and you see, you literally tell them what they need to do, but they don't. And there's that emotional piece, but it's, yeah, people don't do it because they know, but they don't want to do the work. They don't want to push through a hard time in a relationship, a hard time in a career, which is back to what you're trying to teach your kids is you don't have to have hardship, but you work through the hard. Like, I think, I don't know if that's the same or difference, no. but it's, it's instilling that because people don't want to do that. They think everything is easy. And I blame social media because it's like everyone drops. I made six figures. I made six figures. Like that is the, I hate it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it it it. is. And it it is. And that comparison thing is obviously very, very strong. But again, what is that person that's on the receiving end of that, that feels like they're not quite living up? What are they doing? they're dabbling in life they're dabbling in things yeah. and like you say scrolling mindlessly and so i love the intentionality is the word that you chose to explain how you manage especially your relationship and your business and the fact that you're sharing that with other people because i think it is the key to just ultimately moving forward and feeling that progress in life which is which is another need we need to feel like we're moving forward and if you yeah. don't do it with intention then how do you do it you you don't there's
0: none and purpose I think the comparison thing, it's just so important. I feel like for people to, that piece of just believing in themselves Mm. too. I think that doubt comes in creeps. I mean, there's so much things on anxiety, all these labels out there, anxiety, depression, ADHD, all these things, people put themselves in boxes and that's why they can't do certain things. Yeah. My husband suffers from high stress, like impairment. That's okay. But create tools for yourself to get out of it. Have that hit list. You know, whether it's calling somebody, writing a prayer, reading the Bible, going for a walk. Create your hit list when you're in those moments. But I feel like you got to do the work to set yourself up because no one's going to do it for you. Be the advocate of your own happiness. Like advocate for that and work for it. And it might be tough at first. You're going to realize a lot of good things and shitty things about yourself. But advocate for it. Fight for it. Because no one's really going to do it for you.
1: No one. No. And at the end of the day, it's, it's, if you're willing to take on that as that, that responsibility, yeah. that, Hey, I am in charge of how this turns out
0: and in control.
1: You are in control. You are in control. And it's not easy. I think that's an oversimplification. And I think there's times that we go through phases, you know, where we have to work through things. Yeah. It's not just like, okay, I made the decision and I flipped the switch. Yeah. It's like, Hey, it's a it's a process. Absolutely. You know, and just being aware though and being intentional, like you say, having a plan to get out of it is is the key instead of just being reactive
0: to it. Or staying where you are and being stuck. I'm so tired of like people justifying why they are not to where they need to be or wanna be. Oh, I can't because I'm a single mom. Yep. I'm I'm sorry, you chose to have your kid most of the time, most of the time, but I'm saying like Don't let that stop you. Break, like we're talking about limiting beliefs earlier. Question those limiting beliefs. Question things. Question everyone. And Really is like you did. You left town, developed your opinion that you don't want to leave town. You came back. Like develop your opinions for you and not on other people. Right. I think that's part of life is creating those experiences for yourself and not because someone told you.
1: Absolutely. I think what we were mentioning before, th- there are certain things that are just basically cause and effect. Scientific approach to to weight loss, to making money, you not even making money, but being being comfortable financially right that's a that's a formula we could write that formula for anybody if you have more money left over at the end of the month and you then then you're in a in a pretty good position that's not a stressful position if you're having all of your needs met what we run into is that it is the the part of it that you're talking about is it doesn't matter all these formulas that you could put in for these things it doesn't matter what color you are what age you are no. what you know where you come from what your background is if you're willing to implement certain things you'll get there. Yeah. But the other side that we have to bring in is managing the
0: emotional side. Yeah.
1: You know, how do we how do we develop the fortitude mentally to get through those times and to get from where we're at now to where we want to be?
0: So what are some things you do?
1: Yeah. I <laughs>
0: I, I, <laughs> I mean, you talk about these tools. What are some tools that it might make sense to you and not to anybody else, but really helps you stay clear. I mean, you have kids to manage, you have personalities to manage, you have clients, you have your wife had brain tumor. Like, how did you keep persevering? Because people, life happens to every one of us, right? How are totally. you, how do you keep persevering that? Yeah,
1: I, I think for me personally, I, I'm a simple-minded person and I'm very black and white. For me, if I take care of my, I, I take care of the variables that I can control, yeah. which is silly as it is, I felt, and I'll be vulnerable here, is yes. that I, I, I got in a, in a dark space. It's first of the year, right? So, and I, I just started looking at the things that were out of control. But what I could control. And this thing I went to, this, this sounds cheesy to some people, but it's what I know and what I could immediately control. Am I am I tracking my food? That's that's what I do. And so it's, but you're, it's you're
0: fueling the jet. I mean, I mean, we could go down a food tangent, but you're yeah. feeling the jet. That's how you think that's gonna keep you going.
1: Totally. But I wasn't okay. doing it. Okay. So why? I, yeah. I don't know. You check Obviously, <laughs> okay, so let's start there. That's the one thing I can control. I'm huge on one thing you can control. Yeah. If you're not doing the one thing you know I can do, Jordan Peterson talks about cleaning your room. Right. If you can't clean your room, I mean, like then you expect your life to be in order. Like, no, no, no. Do the most simple thing, the things that you do every day. So I went to tracking my food. I know if I can eat right and I can eat healthy, then. And that's the one thing that I started with.
0: And it started. That's how you get more control is when you start. Like, it's kind of like a laundry list. Like you do the things you can. You're going to feel good. You you, that propels you more for working on those other things.
1: Yeah. Very rarely can you do it all. You can't. I can't leave this office right now and go do everything.
0: No, I can do one thing though, right?
1: Like I can start with the one thing that I can control and then once I have that under wraps, I'll move to the next one. And so... So for me to answer your question in a broad scale as I just start managing one thing I can control at a time. And before I noticed, it was was very quickly, but I started feeling more and more control of myself, my emotions, my reaction to things. And I started feeling more in line and fulfilled in what I was supposed to be doing because I let other things take control. And so go back to the basics, go back to the things that you do know that you have, the, the one thing that you can do right now. And maybe that is, changing the light bulbs that have been out for six months. And you're like, I'm going to get to that.
0: And it's crazy because I think people try to overcomplicate. Absolutely. It, and that's why they never even start. Yep. Go simple and don't try to do five things like that's beautifully said is what work on what you can control, not what other people are doing. You know, everyone's talking about their morning routines. If that doesn't work for you, like it's silly. Mm-hmm. Do I love that. Do one thing and just focus on that consistently right
1: yeah and that's you know in in some business coaching that i do everybody wants to start this business they're looking at step 25 yeah and they're overwhelmed and i can't get this going it's like well what's the one thing that you should do right now have you done that no well let's start there Yep. and then we'll worry about step two yep. but you want to worry about step 25 right now you are going to be overwhelmed
0: and, and you won't succeed you're no. setting yourself up for failure so i think a key takeaway as people are listening to this is start smaller than you even think Yep. And do it
1: today. Today.
0: yes. Start now. And we start today. That's like how I, in a lot of my coaching calls, is we start today. Not yesterday. We start right now. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your time today. Yes. I appreciate you opening up about your relationship, your family, your kids, and vulnerability is
1: huge. Totally. Happy to do it.
0: How can people find you Brandon?
1: Yeah, so I am an Instagram guy. I, I did hear you say you're a calendar girl. And so
0: I am I, a calendar girl.
1: I feel bad because I'm like the least organized guy. So I wish I had like all of my all of my profiles you and Insta- have to be. so anyway, Instagram B my last name's Wimpy. Did we even talk about that? My Yeah,
0: Brandon Wimpy. I've, I've been
1: running my last name for for nearly 40 years. It's Wimpy. So B is in boy Wimpy is my my I love it. Instagram. So it. yep, that's where that's the best place.
0: Follow Brandon. He's amazing. He's inspiring. And he is amazingly opinionated. And I love that about you. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you so much. I hope today's episode left you better than when I found you. Make sure you hit the subscribe button and tune in every Monday to kickstart your week and set your weekly intentions with me. You can find me and HFH on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok or online at Haycourtneybrook.com. I firmly believe in the power of sharing. If you know someone else who would benefit from this podcast, please share it with them. And remember, when you work on you, I get to be there.